Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Stocks continue to feel pressure and remain very range-bound. Also seems like investors are feeling a little bit of bear market fatigue. I know I am. And the Dow theory is still bearish. And we're right in the middle between two key levels that we've been watching for months now. We're talking stocks, Dow theory, and the market levels and data points we should be keeping an eye on. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Game. All right, let's bring on Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. He's author of the book, Winning with the Dow's Losers, and you got to check out his website, UpsideStocks.com. Chuck, always great to have you on the Gaines Podcast. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's great to be back. The Dow Theory, still clearly bearish. There's been no change there. We've been just bouncing around in the ranges, the range that we've talked about for some time now. And that's where I want you to start today, Chuck, if you could. Where's the Dow theory? And just explain those two ranges that we're looking at and where the market is right now. Sure. Just a, a quick primer on the on the Dow theory. It looks at the movement of the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the Dow Jones Transportation Average. And from the movement of those two indices, it discerns whether the market's primary trend, the trend that typically lasts minimum eight months to, to can be 12, 24, 36 months, that long-term primary trend, whether that trend is bearish or bullish. Uh, as you mentioned, Andy, we have been on a, a fairly steady bearish primary market trend, according to the Dow theory, for the last several months. Um, we were close to flipping that from bearish to bullish here. We, uh, one of the good things that happened was a move higher in the Dow Jones transportation average, which went above what we felt was an, an important high of 14,649, which was uh, the, the end of November high. And the transports did eclipse that. But under the Dow theory, you need both the Dow industrials and the Dow transports to be in sync, confirming one another to new highs. And the industrials didn't do that. They failed. They got close, but they didn't close above their late November high of 34,589.77. So we just never got the signal to change from bearish to bullish, and not uh, probably coincidentally, uh, divergence between averages 
can oftentimes signal kind of a, a, a yellow flag, if not a red flag, for the market. And around the time when the, the industrials fail to confirm that new high in the transports is when this latest downturn in the market kind of started. So we are still on a bear market primary trend signal, according to the Dow theory. So, Chuck, when we look at the Dow theory, it's from the lens of technical analysis and charting the market. But if we look at the fundamentals, hey, the Fed is going to follow through here and do what they said they were going to do, which I believe, by the way, is a very, very healthy thing. And I always say, yes, recessions can be rough on individuals and the economy, but aggressive hyperinflation going unchecked straight up destroys nations. So the Fed's going to follow through here, and I I just don't think the market has bought it. And I think that has to do with a little bit about their credibility problem a year ago when they were saying, and when they were initially saying that inflation is transitory. But anyway, Wall Street doesn't like this, and it seems like they've never fully embraced the Fed seeing this through and getting a hold of inflation. No, they haven't. And and the reason for that is, uh, you know, with the, the only real tool the Fed has to fight inflation and to try to control wage inflation and to try to control uh, c- consumer prices, et cetera, is, is interest rates, is raising rates. And, um, you know, the, the fear is that how high is the Fed going to have to raise rates before they have a meaningful and lasting impact on the inflation environment? And, you know, the thing how that translates back to the stock market is if you have interest rates going higher, you know, one thing interest rates do is price the attractiveness of alternatives to stocks. In other words, you know, when we had basically 0% interest rates and you couldn't make any money on cash and money markets and CDs, uh, treasuries, the, the, really the only game in town was stocks and, and money flowed to stocks and drove them higher. On the other hand, if there is an alternative, which there is now because of the Fed, because of higher interest rates, where you can get a, a two-year Treasury note that's yielding around 5%, um, you know, that, that puts pressure on stocks because now you have another place to put your funds, one that has a much lower risk, if, if no risk at all, so to speak. And, you know, that's that's really the, the game that's going on right now is can the, how high will those rates have to go? And and therefore, what kind of competition are, you know, cash and, and money markets and things like that going to provide stocks? So it's 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 interesting to see how this is now, you know, when we look at kind of over the last six, seven months and you look at inflation trends, you know, inflation looks like it has come off its high. But some of the most recent data points indicate that it may be staying at a more stubbornly high rate than people want, and the Fed certainly wants, which is why, you know, you have Jay Powell talking today about the fact that you're going to have higher, uh, you know, rates are going to probably be higher than they thought they were going to be in the first place. And remind people why inflation is such a uh, a risk, especially when it starts getting out of control. I, I have to hear, well, why is the Fed addressing this? They're they're going to just throw everybody into a recession. They're going to, you know, people are going to lose their jobs. But they really had to address this inflation thing in a very meaningful way. I, I mean, it gets real ugly if they let something like that go. And I think that's an important thing to to talk about, Chuck. Well, sure. I mean, you know, if, if you look at 
this idea of hyperinflation, where all of a sudden inflation is not running at three or four percent, but it's running at fourteen or fifteen percent, or twenty-four or twenty-five percent. I mean, you made an interesting comment at the beginning of the discussion, Andy, that you know it takes down countries, it takes down political regimes. I mean, it destroys country, and the reason for that is that basically what inflation does is erodes the future value of cash flows. It it, it devalues growth because inflation is going to be eroding the value of that future growth. That's why, for example, in an inflationary market, and we've seen that here over the last 18 months, um, you know, growth stocks get hammered, and they get hammered because people value growth stocks based on the the future growth, the future cash flows that the company is going to generate. And if those future cash flows are eroded because of inflation, you're going to pay less for it. Um, so, yeah, and the other thing about that, you know, recessions last. 18 to 24 months, maybe some last shorter, some last a little longer, but, you know, they're part and parcel of kind of the economic cycle. And typically, you know, they aren't, they aren't long lasting. You have an inflationary period that's with stubborn inflation and it can erode things for a long, long period of time. You go back to the seventies, you know, into the early eighties when inflation was just going crazy I mean, it was an awful time to own financial assets, whether it was stocks or fixed income, uh, for a long period of time. And the other thing is people, you know, were seeing the, the value of their incomes, uh, the real income levels eroding significantly. I mean, if you're getting, you know, and that's going on right now. I mean, some people might feel pretty good. Hey, I got a 4% raise at my office. Well, that's great. Go to the grocery <laughs> store to, though, buy, you know, spend that and you realize that you get, you're only buying half of what you got before. Yeah, you know, and that that idea of a real interest rate is really kind of lo- a real inflation rate is really kind of lost on people when they're looking at just nominal wage gains. And and you know, I mean, and and certainly there are periods in there when somebody goes, "Geez, I only got a two and a half percent raise, but inflation was one and a half percent." That was a real, you know, you were you were outpacing inflation. But but now, um, you know, any any wage gains are just getting eaten up by inflation. So. You know that that's the thing, and as as inflation starts to spiral upward, you get you get a real problems, and and you you force the hand of the Fed to become even more aggressive. I mean, if you go back again to the Volcker days and in, in the early '80s, and what Volcker, who was the Fed chairman at that time, had to do to interest rates to get inflation under control, I mean, you were talking about double-digit interest rates, and you know, and now you know we've got a housing market that's basically been shut down with mortgage rates at six, 7%. Um, you know, any of you out there listening, go talk to your parents or your grandparents and ask them what interest rate they paid on the first house they bought. You know, on six or 7%, it was probably 16 or 17%. So, you know, things can, as you say, can get ugly very quickly. And, you know, that's the problem with inflation. And, you know, inflation being one of those three major engines of stock market performance. And if inflation is uh, on the negative side, uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge headwind for stocks. And and the other two that uh, we always hit on, interest rates and corporate earnings. So inflation, interest rates, and corporate earnings. Um, again, watching the Fed actually take control of this, I'm actually really happy <laughs> with that. And I think that's a, a really good move long-term for the United States at whole and the inflation picture. Um, yeah, and you can make you can make an argument too, Andy, that yeah, the market has come off those those recent levels that were close to to new highs, 
But, you know, in spite of a lot of pretty negative data points concerning inflation and, and rhetoric concerning inflation, I mean, you know, we're still well off the September lows, which in the industrials were 28725 And in the Dow Transports, that was 11999 So we're still well off those lows. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not going to go down and retest, and, and hopefully not, but go through those lows to the downside, which would really reconfirm the bear market trend and, and, and be a, a real downer for, for investors. Um, but, you know, the, the market is absorbing some punches here. And yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, buckling a little bit, but I mean, things, you know, you could take the other side of the coin and say the market's actually been pretty resilient here in the face of some pretty negative inflation news. So, you know, time will tell, obviously, the story. And for the time being, since we're just out of earnings season, for the most part, it's this is going to be an, a market that really takes its cues from uh, from data points, and you know we're going to get one on Friday for the you know that jobs report and see how that fares and and fits into the inflation equation. That's an excellent point. When you really look at the general markets, all things considered. They've actually held up really well. Now, granted, you can't necessarily say that about the high growth names, the bubbly stuff, the stuff in the crypto tech, some of the front running stuff. But, you know, that's an excellent point. Considering everything going on, the market has held up fairly well. Um, it has, broadly speaking. But broadly you speaking, right. Too. The, the risk the risk on stuff is has gotten smoked pretty good, and the high growth stuff has gotten smoked pretty good. I'm sure there are people listening to this. When I said it's held up reasonably, I were thinking, well, this guy's a total idiot. My stock's down, you know, 65% from its high, and there are certainly a number of stocks out there, kind of the hotsy totsy growth stocks that were really valued on future growth and not much else have gotten cream. But when you look at the, the you know, a lot of the major indices, um, you know, they've, they've hung in there. Um, that's not to say that, you know, they, they can't tip, uh, and, and, but, but up to this point, they have hung in there reasonably well. And, you know, as we mentioned, the three real drivers of the stock market fed policy that tackles inflation, we just cleared corporate earnings season. So we have some clarity there going forward. What else do we look for? I mean, you have interest rates, but uh, you know, a lot of the forward telling data we've now sifted through. I mean, what are you looking at next, Chuck? What's what's going to be the most in the short run market moving is going to be anything related to inflation. So, you know, you've got the jobs report coming up on Friday, and then you're going to have the various CPI, PPI numbers, wage inflation numbers here throughout the rest of the month for for the previous month. So, you know, that that's the type of stuff that, you know, investors are really waiting to see. And then in turn, they're waiting to see if the Fed's going to do 25 basis point hike, or is it going to be a 50 basis point or even a 75? You know, those are the issues that the market is really weighing now. And again, it all kind of surrounds, uh, you know, inflation and interest rates. Uh, since we're really through the corporate earnings season, uh, you know, th that probably won't start factoring into the equation until we get into early April and you start to see companies announcing those earnings. Okay, we're going to be right back with Chuck. we got to take a quick break. Um, hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If that's an option for you, I've been told that's podcast gold. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops, we drop 
Gaines episodes on Wednesday mornings. We'll be right back with Chuck Carlson after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond. He's also author of the book Winning with the Dow's Losers. And then check this out. UpsideStocks.com. That's Chuck's website. UpsideStocks.com. Tell them a little bit about it, Chuck, before we get back into our market conversation. Yeah, UpsideStocks.com is the website uh, for our investment newsletter published here by Horizon Publishing called Upside, which focuses on small cap and mid cap stocks. And uh, I think we do a real nice job in that space. Uh, There isn't a lot of uh, coverage of small and mid-cap stocks, uh, well, not as much coverage that you'll find um, among, you know, big Wall Street firms. They tend to focus on larger companies, and that's where a lot of the interest is. But at the end of the day, the stock market really is a market of small and mid-cap stocks. Probably 80 to 90 percent of all publicly traded stocks are small or mid-cap stocks, stocks that have market caps, I'd say below $10 billion, and in the case of small caps, typically below you know, three or, three or $4 billion. And we cover that, that universe and try to find opportunities in that universe for people that are looking for kind of undiscovered gems, so to speak. And I think, again, we do a pretty good job of that, and you can you know, review it and, and for, you know, for yourself, uh, if you go to that website, UpsideStocks.com, you can click on and get a free trial subscription, a digital subscription to the to the newsletter. Again, that's free, uh, and that's UpsideStocks.com. And, you know, for the gains listeners, you know, since since we're talking UpsideStocks.com, give us a little little something, a little, a couple, a couple nuggets, a couple, something to get, 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 uh, you know, you know, get us interested. Sure, I'll give you two names. Uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but the company came out with a really good earnings report, and it continues to do well. And it's in that sweet spot in the market, the infrastructure space, and that's Sterling Infrastructure. The symbol is STRL. Uh, again, they do a lot of infrastructure. They they build data centers. Uh, they they're doing a lot in that world. Eve, you know, the electronic. Uh, grid world. And it's a company that, uh, like I said, they just had a tremendous quarter. Stock looks pretty good. That's STRL, Sterling Infrastructure. One more name that I'll throw out there is is another stock that I like. Uh, It's had a little bit of insider, corporate insider buying in it, which is kind of unusual these days. Uh, The company is Vichy Precision Group. The symbol is V as in Victor, P as in Peter, G, VPG. Uh, those are two stocks that are an upside. My guess is your listeners are not familiar with them and never heard about them, and that's precisely the point. These are stocks that aren't household names, but we think you know, they are tomorrow's potential blue-chip stocks. So that's Vichy Precision and Sterling Infrastructure. VPG and ST. R-L, S-T-R-L. So check those yeah. out. And, you know, that's that's one thing I wanted, since we're talking about those kind of stocks, I, I just want to hit on this real quick. There's a lot of great companies 
that are working on really cool things that are like these stocks that are, you know, they make money, they have cool products, but they just don't get the attention from the financial media. They they kind of lie below the radar. Kind of just talk about those stocks. And, you know, you hear about the big ones and, and often talked about on the noon business hour and CNBC and covered in the Wall Street Journal. But there are a ton of other names, and you just mentioned two, that are just really good companies that low, you know, lay below the the radar that are publicly traded, and a lot of these do really, really well. Uh, you yeah, know, so, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, and Andy, I interrupted you, but they they do when for the stocks we pick an upside. Uh, you know, first and foremost, they need to have pretty good fundamentals. So these are companies that actually make money. They have revenues. We we typically, I can't think of the last time we f- we focused on a stock that wasn't making money. So, you know, we're trying to find companies that are growing their their profits, that are growing their revenues, that are in industries that we think have decent long-term growth potential. And they've demonstrated an ability to, you know, to, to do well in those particular industries. And as I, as I mentioned, you know, again, at the end of the day, there's, I don't know, four, five, six thousand publicly traded stocks out there. But if you're focusing only on large company stocks, you know, again, those stocks that might be in the, the S&P 500, you're, you're missing out on a huge potential universe of, of opportunities out there. And, and I might add, you know, in, in terms of where we are in the market right now and going forward, small and mid-cap stocks really offer probably the best value in the market right now when you look at their valuations relative to large-cap valuations. So I think this is a market environment. We've seen it to a certain extent so far this year that I think small caps and mid-caps are going to continue to outperform large caps. So, you know, I'm not suggesting go out and sell all your large caps and buy small and mid-cap stocks, but to have some exposure to that space I think makes a whole lot of sense, especially in the market environment that we're in right now, where I think, again, small and mid-cap is probably going to outperform large cap for 2023 overall. Stuck in the middle of these ranges that we've talked about, um, I know you're not an all-or-nothing shop. You know, you, you, you build up dry powder when things seem bearish, and then, uh, you know, hopefully you can deploy that when uh, it appears things are turning around and we use that Dow Theory as a tool and a guidepost, but uh, we you know what are what are you telling uh, individual investors right now? I mean, I I know we were talking about with the upside stocks, you pick you can pick your spots in in select areas, but what's the overwhelming theme right now that you're getting across? Yeah, and and I'll be real specific. I mean, in, in a portfolio where an investor could be say a hundred percent invested in stocks, so where they have the latitude. Uh, be, whether it's because of the long time horizon they have or the risks that they're willing to take, where they can be 100% invested in stocks. Right now in those portfolios, we're anywhere from about 75 to 83% invested. So we, we still have, you know, we got skin in the game, but we still have some dry powder to be able to use to take advantage of pullbacks. Um, so so that's kind of, you know, and, and, and quite honestly, we haven't really diverged from that very much here in the last several months because we haven't had a reason to. The Dow theory has still been working on kind of a bear market signal or a bearish primary trend. So we haven't ha- had, uh, you know, a, a need, so to speak, to kind of up the ante in terms of an equity exposure. If, in fact, we did get the industrials and the transports 
you know, gathering themselves and rallying above those late November lows, or excuse me, those late November highs, um, then that would be give us an impetus to, to increase our equity exposure. But, you know, at this point, again, we're pretty comfortable in that 75 to 83% range right now for equity exposure. What does it look like when you're, when, when we get some kind of clarity uh, on the upside, what is buying back into the market look like? How do you choose where to deploy the cash? What does that look like as, you know, you have been building up the dry powder and, and slow, you know, just waiting for uh, that clear sign to redeploy? Yeah, usually it'll take the, the shape of, of two ways. The, the first will be there's probably going to be some stocks that are currently in the portfolio where we're we're underweighted those stocks, perhaps uh, versus kind of our model target weight, and and that may be because the stocks came down, and and so they're you know we're maybe we want to have a a weighting, and this gets into the weeds a little bit, but it's it's kind of part of portfolio management, and this is something for your individuals have to look at too, where you may have a stock and you were comfortable with that stock's weight at five percent, but because the stock came down, it's now only about three percent of your portfolio. If, as you start to deploy money, if you still like that stock, you have an opportunity to put new money into that to get it closer to its target weight. So, you know, we'll we'll look and see where maybe we have underweights and stocks that we really like. We'll add money to those, and then we'll invariably have some new ideas that aren't in the portfolio, stocks that have come down, um, and maybe we've been a little reticent about buying them with the primary trend bearish, but we're we're more confident buying them, especially if they pull back further when the primary trend is bullish. And that's something key to remember, too, is that, you know, when, when you do get a uh, primary trend change to bullish under the Dow theory, it's not onward and upward from here. Typically, you will ha- you will still have pullbacks. The good news is you can buy those pullbacks with assurance that they are pullbacks within a bull market and not, um, you know, and not a, 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 potentially the start of something even more severe on the downside during a bear market. So that's that's a long-winded way of saying typically we do two things. One, we'll look and see where we may have underweights and stocks that are already in the portfolio, and we will add to those, especially the ones that we feel are most attractive. And then, B, there will be some new ideas on stocks where, you know, we have compiled a watch list, which is something that I would recommend for all investors is to have, you know, have that list handy of stocks that you know you you you're willing to put your dry powder into when the overall macro market conditions have improved to the point where there's a new bull market. And finally, Chuck, what is your takeaway from our conversation today? And I, I know I'm feeling it. Do you think a lot of people are feeling a little bit of bear market fatigue here? Well, I think they've. I think they probably have had a bit of bear market fatigue. But then you have days. Like today, that kind of <laughs> reinforce that bear market fatigue when you see, right. a, you know, a, a market go down, you know, the Dow Industrials go down over 500 points. And it's like, well, I guess we are still in a bear market. I, I think the, the the thing that I recommend is is don't disengage, is to stay engaged, even, you know, because it becomes very easy, especially, as you said, when you have bear market fatigue, especially with when the, the bearish trend has persisted for an extended period of time. It's easy to get disengaged in the market and, and, and don't do that because, you know, believe it or not, as we've said many times, you know, th- these are the times when you tend to put your portfolio in the position to really do well over the long term. It, and, and, you know, you, you, you make your biggest money long term during bear markets. It's, it's just you don't realize it until 
later on, um, you know, whether that's continuing to reinvest dividends in stocks, whether that's working a dollar cost averaging program like a 401k investment style where you're continuing to put money into the market on a regular basis, even during down periods, especially during down periods, stay engaged in the process because it ultimately will end and things will go higher and you'll be awfully glad that you were an investor during that time when it was when when it wasn't going up on a day-to-day basis. Yes. Trust the process and again always important to point out investors make hay long term when markets are down and stocks are cheap. All right, big thanks to Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. And be sure to check out his website, UpsideStocks.com. All right, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday. And we're going to do something a little different next week. So I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.